Welcome to Divine Perspective, where we intentionally spend time focusing on God's purpose for his people. Because when we know God's purpose, we can live with purpose. Every episode will be filled with challenging conversations designed to engage culture with our faith, as well as leave you with tangible next steps for growth. I'm pumped that you joined us for today's episode as we take a look at our world with a divine perspective. Have you ever known someone who just likes to complain? I mean, like, like a lot. Like a person who complains about something with, with no intention of actually making things better, or at least no intention they've expressed. The person who just loves to grumble, always sees the worst in everything, always has something to say about someone. Maybe you know a person who grumbles quite often to you. In our generation, this is allowed to exist in the form of sarcastic remarks, sharp jabs, being extra critical. Listen, even I have to be mindful of that. Some don't actually want to say what's wrong in a constructive way because they don't want to be a part of the solution. Or maybe it's the past of least resistance. It's easier to talk about someone than to work with that individual to get better. I I don't know and I don't want to assume what other people are thinking or feeling, but here is what I do know. Grumbling, complaining, and arguing will destroy unity. This episode clear yet? This is a divine perspective on grumbling. This episode will call for a perspective shift. Now, before I move forward, let let me make a few things clear. I'm not saying that disagreement or disagreeing is inappropriate. In fact, disagreeing when done properly is extremely healthy. When there are conflicting ideas or opinions, this is the perfect time to seek unity amidst the diversity of thought. What if I told you that grumbling and complaining were negative reflections of the work of God in your life? What if I said that by not solving your problems, it can be considered an act of disobedience? Here's what I want to do. Just take the next few moments and give you divine perspective on grumbling. In Philippians, there's a, there's a problem at work. There's a, there's a problem that has arisen. There is some conflict taking place in the book of Philippians. So Paul writes this letter to the church in Philippi. There are some great challenges going on. In fact, later in chapter four, you're gonna hear about two ladies who Paul calls co-workers of the ministry that they're fighting with one another. But earlier in chapter two, Paul's gonna pin these words I'll read them to you all at once here. And then I just want to walk through and break some of this down and help us understand that one, grumbling and arguing isn't new. And two, there's hope. Should you have the right perspective on it? Philippians 2.12, Paul starts off, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly 
to the word of life. Let me let me let me start with that again, because that's a beautiful little segment. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Notice, by the way, this is the very few times you get this kind of personal salvation message in the text. It's usually salvation, which happens as each individual professes Jesus as their savior, but it's salvation lived out in community. Here you get this responsibility of salvation leads to our obedience. In fact, that's how you would tell someone was saved by a life change. Their responsibility was to live in accordance with their salvation, letting the implications of their relationships with Jesus transform their social relationships. Catch that? Your relationship with the heavenly father has direct implications with your earthly neighbor. Paul means if you say you're a Christian, act like a Christian. If you say you believe in Jesus, act like you believe in Jesus. And to live like a Christian, the Philippians were, have, were supposed to have this attitude of obedience. This obedience that although he wasn't in front of them, he still expected them to live out because they knew the truth. The obedience wasn't to Paul. The obedience was to God. So church members were to solve their problems as an act of obedience to God. This obedience confirmed the fact that they were truly believers. They were truly Christians by how they worked together. Yeah, you catch that for a moment? I know we get afraid of like talking about what we do in our works because then people go, well, that's workspace salvation. And in reality, it's like, no, 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 no. You were saved off your faith alone, but you're going to live obedient according to what you believe. Imagine if we had that perspective shift, that our obedience, which is to God and God alone, is a reflection on if we believe or not, if we're committed or not. If we're working out our salvation or not, perseverance, whether if you're dealing like an individual issue or an issue within a group is expected. In addition to that, we see here in that verse, believers were to be serious and sober, you could say, keeping in mind the reverence of God. But he didn't stop there, right? He says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So one, always remember, it's God that takes the initiative. They wouldn't have had the opportunity to even work in there or work out their salvation if God did not move. Second, recognize that while God starts the work, he partners with them. Same kind of concept we see in Genesis. He partners with them. They were to be working with God to fulfill his good purpose. This is almost one author calls it a divine initiative, if you will. He calls for humans to respond to him, not just in word, but in deed. Our energy alone could never accomplish the work of God. Yet, if God is working with us, we can accomplish his purpose. So we're supposed to work out our salvation. We're supposed to work together to keep the church unified. And then he hits verse 14. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Ooh-wee. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Let me say it one more time. Do everything without grumbling and or arguing. So what is grumbling? What is arguing? Often it's the idea of speaking with discontent or dissatisfaction. 
When we grumble, when we argue with people, we're often dissatisfied in some way with that person, whether what they believe, what they're doing, uh, how they're responding to something. I, right? It's just, it's a dissatisfaction. It's a frustration with an individual. You could be hurt by them. You could be disappointed in them. However, here's the beauty of the phrase in this context. To grumble and complain, to grumble and argue in such a way that it would be divisive suggests that the differing parties were not willing to work together. This is the difference, by the way, from criticizing for improvement and complaining from self-centeredness. How willing are you to work with that individual? How willing are you to work with that individual? Whatever the problem is, the concern, which affects the moral life of the church and its witness to the world should not be stunted. Paul implies almost that if dissension stops the church, the church would no longer have a pure life testimony and action among the world. We need not let this exist. Now, I got to pause for a moment. Because I know some of us go, okay, but if we disagree with someone, shouldn't we just move on? Uh, when is enough is enough? And I want to be careful because I'm not giving license for people to abuse you or manipulate you and say, well, you got to keep talking to me. And they don't have a voice. No, no, no. Both sides have to be able to come to this thing together going, hey, the ultimate goal is unity and action and love. And so therefore we must reconcile. We must Compromise. We must do the things necessary so that our faith take precedent. This is not unlike what we see in relationships. Right? I've been married this year. Later on this year will be 11 years. I got to tell you what, in 11 years, I have had to make some compromises. My wife has had to make some compromises for the sake of unity because it's not about me and it ain't about her. And notice what Paul says. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Notice what he's saying. He describes the world. Here's your perspective shift. He describes the world as distorted and depraved, but says when you live without grumbling and arguing against one another, you can become blameless and pure. There's almost like there should be this distinctiveness spiritually and morally from Christians that is attractive to those who are in the faith. Purity and blamelessness are standards by which the distortion of the world is measured and we should not be included with that. Paul meant that the world was morally crooked and distorted. You know, it's funny. We like to say that. We like to look at the world and be like, oh, it's going to... The hell in a handbasket. Oh, man, this world is going south. We've lost our morals. Yet all we do is grumble and argue with those in the faith. We're no different than the world. The ministry of the church should provide a model for how to live, for how to function in unity, for how to work together, for how to keep the main thing the main thing, rather than conforming to the model of fighting, complaining, grumbling, and arguing. In fact, that second metaphor is key. Then you'll shine among them like stars in the sky. This, this unblemished moral character is supposed to be bright. That even with our imperfections, we were to be light to the world. You can't be light to the world when you're fighting with each other. 
when you are so bent on arguing and grumbling, when it's always got to be your way. You cannot be a witness to anybody. You cannot encourage anyone. It's hard for people to find what you do as worth it and attractive when you look no different than them. So let's say you're listening now. Let's say you're listening now and you find yourself identifying with someone who grumbles, complains, or argues often. I don't want you to walk away going, well, I just should suck it up. That's not what I'm saying. I reject that. I rebuke that. Because if it hurts, say it hurts. If you're frustrated, say you're frustrated. There's room to express how you feel. But you got to ask yourself, is my current conduct, grumbling, complaining, arguing, is this reflective of the work of God taking place in my life? So so what that means is if I'm frustrated now, what am I going to do to not only get out of my frustration, but continue to point to the wonderful work God is doing in my life? Another good question would be, am I as committed to seeking unity as I am committed to complaining? Can I can I say that one more time? Are you as committed to seeking unity as you are committed to complaining? One thing I say to my staff all the time, and I mean all the time, is that I value honesty over harmony. Honesty over harmony? What do you mean by that, Thomas? What I mean by that is you can't have true harmony without complete honesty. Don't put me in a room with people who going to just talk about me, but not work with me. There are too many times we want to take the path of least resistance. There's too many times we want to ignore dealing with people. There's too many times, and, and I get it, it's much easier to sit and say, look what all these folks aren't doing. Look how stupid they are. Look how idiotic this is. Instead of going, how can I move closer in proximity so we can get the job done? Oh, listen, man, as a as a pastor, as a professor, as a speaker, as a husband, as a father, as a student, I get it. I get it. But see, that doesn't display the work God is doing in me. In fact, what displays the work of God in our lives is when we people who can disagree still be unified and still work together and shine bright. So remember those two questions. How does my current conduct, the grumbling, complaining, reflect the work of God taking place in my life? And remember the question, am I as committed to seeking unity as I am to complaining? The opposite of complaining isn't stuffing it down or shutting your mouth. No, it's honest, vulnerable communication that's aimed in reaching unity. Unity allows the work of God to be seen rather than our own issues taking center stage. Folks, it's time for a perspective shift. It's time for us to embrace a divine perspective on grumbling. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Divine Perspective. If something was said that caught your attention, that challenged you, or maybe even encouraged you today, we would love for you to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Instagram or Twitter with the handle at Mr. T. Anderson Jr. There you will find more resources and content to help further our discussions. 
Once again, I'm your host, Thomas Anderson Jr., and I hope that today you can live with a bit more purpose because you've gained a divine perspective. We'll see you next time. Thank you.